Normal Christian Journey of Faith, Chapter 1, Before We Begin. This series of studies attempts to say some useful things about how the journey of a Christian life is likely to work out. In fact, there are, of course, so many ways this may happen that to try and say something useful is quite rash, but here goes nonetheless. Before I start, I need to define what I mean by Christian. Many people in many parts of the world think of themselves as Christian because their passports say so, or would say so if they had one. They've been born into a Christian family, in a Christian community, so they and other people think of them as Christian. But being a Christian in this sense is not the same as following Jesus, consciously and determinedly. When I say Christian, I mean those who have positively decided they will follow Jesus, owe allegiance to him, and are practicing Christians, associating themselves with other Christians of the same way of thinking. Not every Christian can identify the moment in which they turned round and set out to follow Jesus. For some, it happened so gradually that they cannot pin down the time any more than to say that day or that week or that month. That does not matter. They've set out to follow Jesus, which is all that matters. Then there are some fortunate few who cannot remember the day when they did not love the Lord, even as a young child, and they grew up following him from before their days of memory. Rate for them and a tribute for their parents. It would be more accurate if, as I wrote these notes, I used the phrase following Jesus rather than Christian. But it would be intolerably clumsy to keep on doing so. So I will say Christian and mean following Jesus. Even before we became Christians, in any of these believing senses, certain things will have been true of us. All of us, everyone who ever lived, have attention within us. This is an essential part of being human and quite inescapable. We are, you are, I am, made in the image of God. But we are also sinners. We're told that we are made in the image of God in Genesis chapter 1. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Then Adam and Eve sinned in the famous story of the Garden of Eden as recorded in Genesis chapter 3. The Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And Paul, in Romans 5, summarizes what all the scripture acknowledge with the statement, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. That is us. Some people like to think that there is a dividing line between good and evil people, and they, of course, are on the right side of that line. But it is not so. The dividing line between good and evil runs through each one of us. Some of us are, hopefully, more on the right side of that line than the wrong side, but it is still there, through each one of us. Failure to recognise that has led to many disastrous moments in history. Politicians have often assumed that people are essentially good 
so you've only got to put them in the right environment and all will be well. Everyone will live in peace and harmony with everyone else. Sadly, that is not true. It never has been true and it seems to have become increasingly obvious that it is not in the 20th century. Nazis and communists have assumed that they can make the world work as they want. But they failed and have continued to fail. Muslim extremists fall into the same trap. On the other hand, much of the modern Western world proceeds on the assumption that progress is happening always and inevitably. That is true of our technology and science, but not of our social and spiritual skills, where we seem to be going backward. There is much good in human beings, that there is also a strong tendency to evil. This is the base from which we all start. Why then do we, why does anyone, become a Christian? There are at least three main reasons. First reason, from a sense of sin. This is the old classical way to start. Many preachers in this society seem to assume that this is the only way, so they pick out the scriptures that mention sin, or can be bent that way, and preach what they call a gospel sermon, whether it applies to the people listening to them or not. It is certainly true, very true, that the purpose of the death of Christ on the cross was to deal with sin. Your sin, my sin. Jesus was both human and divine. He was human, so he could substitute for us, dying on our behalf. He was divine, <clears throat> so his death was sufficient and effective for all of us. So Paul says in Romans 3.25, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. But people are unable to understand those words and take them to heart unless they have an idea of God as the pure and holy judge before whom they will eventually have to give an account of their life on earth. If they do not realize that, if they've not been taught that, they will not understand what is being talked about. Second reason. From a sense of lostness. Peter talks about people being redeemed from an empty way of life in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Many people will feel that the way they are living is empty and is not satisfying and will cast around looking for a better way to live. They want to be good people. Drink, drugs, partying, sex, material goods do not satisfy them. They want a reason to live differently, to live the way they want to live, but they have a strong sense of needing a reason to break out from their currently unsatisfying lifestyles. If this is the way they think, they are ready to hear a sensitively presented account of the Christian life. Follow me, said Jesus. 
If they hear that call, they embark on a life of faith, which is a journey through life, and hence the title of this series of studies. Reason 3. From a desire to progress. Unfortunately, there is a strong tendency in many churches to present the Christian life as a solution to all one's problems, practical, social and financial. Some preachers say, become a Christian and you'll meet all the right people. You will make your fortune. The right partner for you will miraculously appear. I call this unfortunate, because such teaching runs directly counter to the whole teaching of the Bible. Jesus is, amongst many other things, our example. He only met the right people at his trial. He had nowhere to lay his head, so he did not have a fortune. He had to live a celibate life in a society where marriage was expected. If you are looking for progress in a purely human sense, it is a good idea not to become a Christian. Be careful not to believe the false promises of some preachers. Of these three motives for becoming a Christian, one and two are acceptable. Three is not. In the New Testament, Paul emphasises motive one, escape from sin. John emphasises motive two, desire for purpose in life. Peter is strong on both. These are, I think, the main things that lead people to seek to follow the Lord Jesus. There are others. To some are given dreams and visions of him seen in the night. Some fear the judgment. Some desire not to be left behind when he returns, and so on. There is something else worth noticing about what often happens to people before they become Christians. God has a lovely habit of speaking to us before we become one of his people. This can be, and often is, in small and scarcely noticed ways that yet can have a major effect on us. For me, it was when the family friend who was invigilating an exam that I, a young boy at the time, was taking, stopped to pray with me before the exam which was not something to be expected within the world in which I lived, and had a lasting effect on me. So what? Whether as you listen to or read this, you are a follower of Jesus or not, it is important to get our thinking about who we are and where we stand before a pure and holy God straight. We are made in the image of God, but we are sinners in his sight. As a consequence of that, we need a better direction in life. Those two facts make the essential and only correct starting point for our thinking. Secondly, we have an opportunity to be the messenger for one of those little events that the Lord God can put in someone else's way, as he did for me, through my invigilator's prayer. Only more than twenty years later, did I learn that the wife of the man who prayed with me was ministered to as a young girl by my grandmother. That was a wonderful part of the circle of faith. 
and here we end for this study.